Beautiful. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Good. Um, in case you missed that, hello, my name is Jillian, or some people in the gaming community know me by my handle of Avalanche. I wanted to take just a little bit of time tonight and introduce the D&D game that my friends and I have been playing um, and just begun streaming on Twitch. We're starting, we're starting to stream already well into the storyline, so I wanted to um, take a moment, since it's homebrew, there are no uh, references or resources that anybody can read about and know what we're talking about. So other than what's happening on the stream, it's all unknown. Tonight I will try to rectify that somewhat and set an information baseline so anyone interested could follow along on the adventure with us. <clears throat> Maestro, if you would pull up the map for me. You have to have a tech guy. Are we good? Beautiful. The Isle of Isaias is a homebrew setting and campaign. It's located for the purpose of this story southeast of Faerun and the Great Sea. So it's still in the Forgotten Realms big picture, just really far away and doing its own thing. Um, I've designed it to be roughly 13,300 square miles which is the size of Taiwan, roughly, if you didn't know that or care for some reason. I just got really bored and curious one day and did the math and research. Um, the island is fairly recently settled and developed. The majority of the island cities are younger than 350 years old. Isaias has a very temperate climate without much in the way of weather extremes. Though it is an island, it only has one proper port city. Mirth hosts the entirety of the island's um, seafaring trade and visitation. It's on the west coast. The rest of the island perimeter is sparkling white cliffs ranging from 30 to 10,000 feet above sea level. The island is surrounded by craggy spears of rock, making boat travel very difficult overall. There's one mountain range on the easternmost edge of the island, the rose-hewn peaks, having the appearance of shimmering white and rose quartz. Um, it is very steep and brief for a mountain range, with a large number of those rocky spires towering off the east coast, separated by the shattered sea. The island inhabitants like to say it's as though the gods themselves took a knife and carved it through the mountains to shake them and break pieces off into the ocean. There are several large forests and winding rivers, marshlands, um, a crevice, and a lot of rocky outcroppings along the coastline. The island was settled by a band of adventurers that decided Isaias was the home for which they had been searching. The current ruling council of the island is comprised of the ancestors of the original adventurers. There are several cities that were developed with the designs and techniques of a particular race based upon which original adventurer was in charge of its construction. Ironhaven and Carfaldor are of traditional dwarven construction underground. Knife's Edge is a small dragonborn city perched on the top of the rose-hewn peaks where the mountains turn to perilous cliffs dropping 10,000 feet into the sea. Holbeck is a halfling community in the plains uh, to the south on the island, and Tave is an elven establishment in the Everlasting Wood. Larking to the northwest is entirely human in design. The remaining cities, however, are more eclectic in nature and they are all varied in terms of inhabitant races. Given the youth of this island nation, the military forces and established nobility are fairly anemic in representation. 
the law enforcement is trained at the Academy of the Guard in Knife's Watch to the southeast. Um, and the majority of the participants are there for two years of training and come out bearing the title City Guard. The top graduates of each class are offered a spot in the prestigious Royal Guard training from there, which is an additional three years and an incredibly difficult test at the end that is designed to turn any soldier into the fighting elite um, prepared for anything. There are an average 100 Royal Guard maintained on the island at any given time, and they also comprise the instructors of the Academy. The Academy is loosely associated with the Temple of Cord on this island, which a pertinent detail to cover um, the Pantheon. I took a look at the uh, DMG and saw all the listed deities that ever popped up in D&D, and it's a lot, so I really cut down on the available Pantheon in this uh, campaign. The characters had the option of serving any of these or requesting that one be added. And I've decided I'm not going to spill those beans just yet. You should just tune into our adventure and see which gods show up next week. Don't you hate it when people do that? Um, the characters themselves, my current party, is comprised of a human artificer, a battlesmith, a Githzerai cleric of the trickery domain, a Goliath fighter, battlemaster, tiefling sorcerer, and we've just added an Arakakra monk uh, trained in the way of the Kensei. A tiny introduction to each of those characters, the PC roster, includes Alaria Shadecrest, the artificer, played by Erica. Alaria is constantly tinkering and coming up with new and awesome magical constructions in the form of her steel defender, her homunculus servant too, actually. We've just had a lot of fun designing and somewhat combining these two abilities for her character, so you should definitely tune back in and check that out. Valeria was city guard on Azaeus. She is the only native islander of the party, and she is from the metropolis of Carfaldor, where she owns her own budding PI business and keeps in touch with all of her former guard contacts. She is very clever, lawful, protective, and has an insatiable sweet tooth. Sander, the tiefling sorcerer, has called Azaeus his home base for a little while, but has only ever traveled from Mirth to Knife's Edge um, while visiting his benefactor residing there a kindly older half-elf traveler that was leaving Sander's home island of Rasha when the island volcano erupted and destroyed everything. Sander swam away from the spewing lava and was pulled onto a trading vessel returning to Isaias. He is an initiate, initiate to the Arcane Associates, the island uh, mages guild, and has several contacts from Knife's Edge. Sander was raised by the community on Rasha and has never known his parents and has no knowledge of his heritage. Sander is David's character, and Sander is observant, a bit pretentious, and has a love for the finer things in life, but is also loyal to anyone that actually sticks around in his life. Illican blade flaunter Gatha Kanathi is our Goliath fighter, played by Daniel. Illican left the Gatha Kanathi tribe to join a group of traveling performers, um, as he was always shunned by the other Goliaths for being a show-off. Tune in, you will see that is totally the case. He traveled far and wide, fighting for sport and coin and participating in shows and reenactments with his troop. He learned of a patron god of fighting and war, Cord, and became fascinated with him and decided that he was going to begin telling people that he was Cord incarnate. Um, I'll come back to that. Illikin came to Isaiah for the famed hunt at Crumbeck Mall and is rash boisterous, and easygoing. He also has a crippling fear of music boxes. 
Papilius Hadnir, aka Leos, is our Gith cleric played by Jake, our tech and sound guy and master of all things streamed for us. You should all take a moment and thank the tech guy or sound booth guy in your own lives because where would we be without them? Jake, we thank you for your service. <laughs> Leos, however, is a master thief and not a sound guy from the mainland of Faerun that has made a name for himself in certain circles for being a man that can pinch pretty much anything. He lifted something of import to a god recently, though, and began a complicated relationship of servitude to the god Loki, and is still learning the ins and outs required by this relationship, mostly indicated to him by the location of a tattoo on either arm, uh, depending upon where he stands in favor that day. Leos heard tell of Isaias and had the odd nudge to check it out, and is traveling with the party wondering what this adventure is going to end up requiring of him. Leos is canny, utterly charming, and would steal the pants off your person if the pants were nice enough. Norm is our newest addition, the Aarakocra monk brought to us by Dylan. Norm is so far is very simple and straightforward and devoutly religious, uh, serving the goddess of freedom and change and luck, Avandra. He came to Isaias for the hunt at Crumbic Mall also, but participated on a different team than the rest of the party and lost. He then went to Heaven's Gate, the religious center of the island, when he heard that there was a rare proper temple to Avandra. He was struck by a vision at the altar when he went to pay his respects and sought out the rest of the party in Carfaldor per his vision. Which just happened last session. So let me give a brief recap of the road so far to catch you all up to speed. The party started this adventure in Mirth on the west coast on the eve of the summer solstice uh, for the annual hunt at Crumbic Mall. This is the largest annual tradition native to this island to commemorate the dwarven founder that was slain by a giant boar in that specific forest. His friends found him too late, killed all of the nearby boar in retribution, and each year on that day, boars are slain in droves to honor Crumbeck Mall, who loved the sport of hunting. It became a festival contest that draws participants even from the mainland, like some of our party. Everyone showed up in Mirth to either watch or enter the hunt, and this team won by slaying the largest boar found in the forest in the time limit. The Royal Council traditionally throws a banquet for the winning team, where they're presented the winner's purse, the winning boar, uh, as dinner, and sent off on their free week's stay at the royal lodging in the beautiful coastal city of Penketh. But when the winners showed up, the council were nowhere to be found. A royal guard member delivered their purse and accompanied them to Penketh, only telling them that pressing matters had arisen and needed immediate attention of the council members. Um, on their way up the northern coastal road, the party came across a handful of drow in the road, some dead, some fighting each other. Uh, the drow the players noticed were visibly very ill, covered in boils and sores and sweating profusely. And a battle naturally ensued as it inevitably does in D&D. &D. Um, but the drow, already dead, ended up getting back up and joining the fight. The officer accompanying the party to Penkith freaked out a little because there are no drow on this island and there's no known sickness. The party continues to Penketh for their vacation prize where they spend very little time before a handful of infected people from a nearby farming community show up in Penketh seeking help. Their village, Vol, was attacked by strange sick men, and then everyone began to get sick, die, and then rise again and attack everybody else. The party successfully contained the sickness in Penketh and went to Vol, 
Found it in smoldering ruins along with a small contingency of royal guard and the human council member Casper Sornshield, who said that this was the pressing matter that drew him from the banquet. The party found a desecrated shrine to Pelor, inscribed with a message that they researched and translated, and then they attended the public address of Lord Swordshield to the citizens of Penketh about the situation. Um, as Lord Casper gave his address, he was shot with a crossbow bolt from the crowd, and then people throughout the crowd began slashing and stabbing everyone nearby with blighted blades. Illican accidentally came face to face with the drow and tiefling exiting the crowd using a magic portal and was killed by the tiefling only to have an intense moment with the God of Storms and War, Kord, before being sent back to fight on the field. The party slayed the attackers, discovered they were branded similarly to the sick drow in the road, and decided this must be cultist activity. Casper Sornshield was saved suspiciously easily, and the officer that led them to Pengeth hired the party out of her own pocket to investigate the strange happenings on the island because they couldn't be occurring without some amount of inside knowledge into the government's workings and she wasn't sure who she could trust at this point. The party agreed and were given a magic hand mirror to stay in communication with the officer, Lorelei Vesk, and the party continued to the Northeast um, after purchasing horses while the officer Vesk traveled back from Earth. They bought a few mildly magical wares from a traveling elderly gnome who also promised Leos a handy haversack for free if he helped put her main competitor out of business, the owner of the only brick and mortar magic shops on the island, halfling Archibald Moonfield, who I'm sure it will come to light, is also a close friend of both Alaria's and Saunders. Oh dear. The group continued in the, into the Peerbook Forest, if you see that on the map, fought a few giants and a bear, discovered that the giants were infected and became concerned. They took a fork south deeper into the forest to find um, uh, the picturesque cottage of an infamous hermit on the island called Ragin. They found the cottage empty, with manacles broken on the floor that had clearly been suspended from the rafters and the cottage stank of blood and rot and had stains everywhere. Um, the few surfaces remaining in the cottage contained an array of torture implements and a few uh, jars of unknown plant matter. Deeply uneasy, the party slipped outside in Hilaria's instant fortress and awoke to a fight to the death happening just inside the tree line from their fortress. They ran down, and the result of their actions was that one of the men, happened to be Rajin, slayed his captor, but not before the captor carved out his tongue. They discovered that the captor had a thick journal containing details of many experiments involving kidnapped people. Applied blood curses and herbs were listed in the results of those experiments um, involving the victims, uh, detailing what happened if they rose after death and how, what they were capable of after they, after they rose from death. <clears throat> Properly freaked out now, the party adopted Ragin and continued along the peripheral island road to the next city, Ironhaven, which appears at first to be a giant, perfectly circular hole in the White Plains bisected by an ornately carved stone bridge over top of it. A fork of the river to the south of the city ends at the edge of the hole, so that approaching the city and looking down, um, there is a waterfall cascading down the side of a conical hole with buildings and storefronts emerging from the rock face all the way down inside the hole, um, connected by staircases and walkways carved down all the way to what they could see were tunnel entrances to the, to the rest of the city. Um, the waterfall ends at the bottom in a small green space, uh, basically an island, before turning into a river and 
um, being funneled outside of the city proper underground. In Ironhaven, Leos discovered some thieves can't, made contact with the local thieves guild, and was given a trial pinch for the chance to join their guild from a hugely sassy halfling rogue called Adrian. Illican started a bar fight for money, orchestrated by Leos and one of the bartenders acting as a bookie. Illican knocked into a dwarven miner just off of his shift, spilled his ale, apologized to the next dwarf over for upsetting his daughter, yeah. Flattened two of the dwarves, made a tidy profit. Leos and Illican also went shopping and used an expired disguise kit on an exhausted storekeeper, snoozing in his stall and had, he had a horrible allergic reaction. Leos felt bad and healed him and woke him up saying he saved his life from some unknown reaction. By the way, why was he wearing makeup that looked like Mimi Bobek from the Drew Carey show? Well, the poor shopkeeper got a great discount on their wares. They might be horrible people. Valeria shopped and tended poor Rajin after his horrible weeks held captive in his own cottage. Sander unwittingly joined a minor cult, brand new on the island, a series of coffee shops. This new coffee stuff is all the rage. The group left Ironhaven and stopped by some wave shrines, and after a few hours, um, they checked out two postage stamp-sized villages on either side of the main path south and Illican went into the tavern on one side and began boasting about single-handedly winning the hunt at Crumbick Mall. And as Leos and Sonder came in, he dismissed them as his butler and his stable boy. So Leos ducked out, disguised himself as Cord from Illican's description of the god, and comes back into the tavern as Cord and scolds Illican for telling tales and marches him from the tavern like a recalcitrant child before dropping the illusion and laughing at Illican. I laughed a lot at that one. Um, as the party continued the next day south towards Carfaldor, they found a bush alongside the road covered in women's undergarments. Still no idea why. And then they came across a very recently wrecked caravan with traders flung from the wreckage, um, dead on the path. The caravan was ablaze. The lone surviving tabaxi was flinging water from the roadside ditch onto the flames before being murdered in front of the party by a mind flayer and two drow. Alaria was able to revive the tabaxi and the party slayed the cultists and Sonder discovered that one of his mildly magical purchases from an earlier session was not just a plush red dragon. It was a plush red dragon that turned into a real tiny dragon when exposed to fire. The party put out the fire, dug shallow graves for the dead traitors so they could be retrieved later by family and continued south now with two NPCs, Ragin and the tabaxi windstorm into the city of Carfaldor, which we covered, I believe, in the last two streams. Um, although we had technical difficulties last week and I think an hour of the session was lost, I'm gonna put a recap of that session in the about section of the video. If you just wanna read that to catch up, you don't have to waste your time, time trying to figure out what you missed from the video. Um, we are now in Old Town of the Dwarven City of Carfaldor a massive underground cave with tiers of city and a subterranean river and bioluminescent plant life. And I believe we left off after an attack, the main tavern in Old Town at the Miner's Respite and chatted with the city commander and we met Alaria's father at Alaria's place of business with her personal flat about it. I'm leaving out so many fun details just for the sake of time. Um, we're about a dozen sessions in at this 
6.3 hours a session, so I'm sure you can imagine if you have any experience with this game, just what goes on in addition to a main storyline, as it were. Um, if you would like some details about me as a DM, I am a Christian housewife, a mom to two amazing kids, and I sing at a local church, and I'm a freelance artist, as will come up frequently in this campaign. I tend to draw little comics and the battle maps and character sketches and just drawing makes me happy. So um, if I make awesome battle maps, I'll probably make those available for sale at some point. Um, I just brought a cool old 32 inch plasma screen monitor and daisy chained adapters until it worked with my iPad. And I'm gonna change all of my paper maps to digital so I can be cool and hip like the kids. <laughs> Have my battle maps on a TV, my players to put their minis on. That should start next week. It's gonna be worth seeing. Um, I wrote this adventure and designed the island. And I started up this group, this campaign with the hopes of turning some facet of my D&D habit into a job, which my husband would love even more than me. And these players have been so supportive and encouraging, and I'm incredibly thankful for them. We're trying out a Twitch stream, obviously, um, to see if that generates interest um, or donations, which would go firstly to upgrading our cameras, our audio equipment, um, you know how it goes. And then some percentage would go towards the DM for my troubles and keeping all the players in pizza and beer for D&D &D night. And then we're discussing local charities that we would love to get involved in. Of course, this is all theoretical, providing we are remotely entertaining and uh, anyone donates anything. So please check us out next week on Twitch at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or you can rewatch on Twitch or YouTube. We're playing under the group name Wit Pending, which was initially an attempt at procrastination until proper inspiration struck for a group name, but Wit Pending just stuck. So I hope to see everyone in the Twitch chat next week. Um, excited for the continued adventure on the Isle of Isaias. And if you're watching this in real time or near it, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving this week and stay safe out there. <laughs>